Good to see you. We are getting ready to go on our high school retreat tomorrow. Uh, with uh, We're going to go to Stripped Away. And if you have no idea what that is, let me just tell you, uh, it's, we just wait till it's the hottest time of the year, and we just go sit in some tents for three days. And by the end of it, all of our love is stripped away. No, I'm just kidding. All of our... <laughs> um, no, we, we, we go to Punk, Arkansas. We hike. We love it. It's an amazing trip. Uh, it's something now that we've done for a number of years. We do it every other year, and we leave tomorrow. So if you have uh, some time this week, and if you keep us in your mind, would you pray for our high schoolers as we're down there? Uh, we're going to be doing some fun things and, of course, sweating a lot <laughs> and uh, hopefully learn, growing, and being stretched. Uh, so my office right now is full of about 10 tents <laughs> and about 40,000 logistics. Um, but this week, as I was studying John, I couldn't help but think the complexities that I was putting together, these tents, and some of the things that the leaders and I were working through is not even close to the complexities that are in John. Um, it is just outrageous how deep this book is. Um, I a team trying to come up with ideas and try to figure out what we're supposed to be talking about. And I'll tell you, every week we get together, we do not leave with no ideas. <laughs> we leave with just pages of ideas of what we could do and directions we could go and how to talk about this in a clear way. And, and what do you, and how should we, and what, what, what order? And I mean, it's just crazy. And, and I, I know I've been challenging you in this to read this book. please, please. Don't go this series. Don't show up on Sundays. Don't, don't listen to me talk for 25 minutes and think you've even scratched the surface. Go read this. If, if I say something today or you hear something in this series that just piques your interest a little, please go use it as a filter. This is an incredibly, it's an incredibly deep and fun book to read. It's just that powerful. It's good. So I'm going to do my best today to, to handle a good chunk of chapter one, because last week uh, was week one of the series, and we did five verses. And I know some of you aren't like mathematicians, but you're thinking ratio, you know, like, like, like if we pull that out, like to a ratio of 21 chapters, you're like, all right, five verses, that's like four years. All right, so we got to move, got to move a little quicker. And so we're going to do a little bit of a, I would say a 50,000 point view, and then we're going to zone in on a couple spots and come in a little closer. But we're going to, we're going to conquer six through 34 today. In an attempt of chapter 1, I want to start by reminding you where the end of chapter, five, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 left off. It said, the light came into the world and the darkness did not overcome it. And so it's really important to recognize that the analogy is being set up now for the rest of this chapter and the rest of the book, that light is life and darkness is death. Okay? And that's really, really, really important because that basically says this, that Jesus is the light and that death is not going to overcome him. Foreshadowing. Really cool, right? That's like when you know the end of the story, you're like, oh, but he hasn't told you the end of the story at this point. So you're like, what are you talking about, John? So he's going to set it up. Okay? So let's just jump right in, read a few verses together. Give you some points to kind of zoom in, but again, don't feel like oh, what I'm going to talk about today is going to give you everything. You need to be reading and looking at this yourself, because I think that's going to bring the true depth and the through, I think, the fruits of what this book has to offer all these years later. So let's start, verse 6. Um, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, remember, this is John the Apostle, or John of Zebedee, or John the Elder, but he's talking about a different John, because he doesn't talk about himself. So this can be a little confusing. 
All right, but this is not seven. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. Ooh, we're already using it. We're already using it. So that through him, all might believe. This is the first time. If you've tracked the word believe through the book of John, this is the first time it's used. But we know in chapter 20, verse 31, that the whole book is written with that word in mind. This is the first time it's used, and we're in verse 7. Pretty cool. All right? Verse 8. Maybe. Maybe not. Come back over here. <laughs> Verse 8. wish I had this all memorized, but I don't. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, was the wor- he is in the world and through the world was made through him. Though the world did not recognize him, he came into He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. All right, at this point, you're like, whoa, we're going to get there. Don't worry. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, But born of God, this light is not the life that you and I see. It's a different kind of life. It's a different family. Verse 14, if you're tracking along, and I know if you're looking at our website right now, it is down, and I'm so sorry. All right, and right now our projectors are down, so evidently that just means you need to tune in because something really important we're talking about. That's always what I see. Opposition is confirmation, not a distraction, every single time. Some of this stuff, just know that. So don't lean out, lean in. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, We have seen the glory, his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. This is one of my favorite lines describing the light that is Jesus, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, here's the cool thing about the way John writes his gospel. is just to make sure that you didn't miss what he's talking about. He puts these little clarifying paragraphs in the book. Have you ever told a story and needed to clarify Lay's look on someone else's face and you have to explain who that person is? You know, Betty, down the street, runs the coffee shop, always sits in the back left corner. You remember Betty? Oh, yeah. Okay. Watch this. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has been surpassed me because he was before me. Pause. That is one of the famous sayings that John the Baptist had. So when he's saying that, a bunch of people are going, oh, that John, that John, clarification of who he's talking about. Out of his fullness, we have received, this is a cool way the NIV says it, grace in place of grace already given. Grace in place of grace already given, and he clarifies what that is. 
For the law, the Old Testament covenant law, was given through Moses, grace, and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came to show you your deficit, and Jesus came to tell you the truth. You ain't going to make it. Both. Pretty cool. Verse 18. No one's ever seen God. This is one of the coolest things. But the one and only Son, who himself is God, is the closest relationship with the Father, has been made everything we just talked about. From the idea that you are brought into a relationship through the light into a new family, called into a place of full grace and full truth, not hiding your faults, but covering them completely. Pulled into a relationship with Jesus that is not a distant reflection, but the full glory of God. Powerful start. And that's just the beginning of John's testimony. Here's the first thought, just kind of zoning in here, the first 6 to 18 verses. There's new clarity in Jesus. New clarity in Jesus. Hey, look at that. Totally purposeful. This concept blows my mind. For most of us, whether we had a fantastic heavenly father or or earthly father, uh, most of us, even if that earthly father was great and did his best and was loving, caring, grace-filled, truth-filled, he was not faultless. And for a lot of us in this room, you've never experienced a father in a healthy way. Your father, look, you'll honor him. You will give that honor and you will say, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the opportunity to live. But you will not say, I will model my life after you. And that can be an extreme challenge when you start talking about God, this this being, this heavenly father, because you place your earthly stuff, immediately transfer it onto your heavenly father. And so you think he's not going to like me. I won't be enough. I might never be enough. I probably, he'll probably leave me. I'll be abandoned. He'll leave. And and what happens is subconsciously or consciously, we limit our understanding of God because of our heavenly father's deficiency, or our earthly father's, I'm sorry, deficiencies. And this clarification right now is one of the most healthy filters that Jesus is such a clear, fully known, that's what verse 18 says, has made him fully known. That we can take the things that we're going to hear about Jesus, the things that we can learn about who Jesus is and how he loves, and we don't have to go, God kind of is like that. We can go, no, 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 no. That is God. That is who God is. Fully. And that should bring clarity. Like extreme clarity. 
the words that are in this book could literally reclaim the truth that is real in who God is and take away the baggage, our inexperience, or our brokenness, or just the lack of fullness that sometimes was in the relationship we desired with our earthly fathers and place it back to the fullness that God brought in Christ, in Jesus. Can you see how he's setting the table here? It's not a shadow of the truth. It's the full expression of light that is God. That needs to be with us as we read the rest of who Jesus is. New clarity in Jesus. Now, what's powerful about this is we get the real testimony now. So John's given us kind of an overview of what John the Baptist has done. But now in verse 19, he actually goes to the words of John the Baptist. Like a court document, if you put John the Baptist on the stand. All right, what's your testimony? And you can see that transfer off of what we've just read, that he's now going to use John's testimony to tell the full clarity of who Jesus is. If God is Jesus, and new clarity is found in him, what does John the Baptist say? Verse 19. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now at this point, you and I are in the same position as these Jewish leaders. They're hearing about these priests and Levites, which the priests are some of the order that are running the Jewish temple. The Levites are actually the heritage, the actual people of heritage that are actually from the line of Levites. It may be confusing, but those are two separate but two intimately working groups of people. They're asking about who is John the Baptist. How many of y'all in here have no idea who John the Baptist is? And I've been talking about him for 10 minutes. It's all right. Don't raise your hand. That's what these guys are at. See, this, this guy, John the Baptist, planted himself outside Jerusalem and started talking about somebody who's coming. Make way is what he's going to say. So here's where we're going to capture his real testimony. You'll get a real clean picture of who John the Baptist is in just a second. Because they're going to learn just like you. Verse 20. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I have a man that has influence. I'm outside the city. Yes, people have heard my name. But I am not the Messiah. So that gives you the thought. Pause real quick before we go to verse 21. Who are the Jewish Levites, the priests, and the Jewish leaders looking for? The Messiah. Good. That's good to know, right? Sweet. Verse 21. They asked him, then who are you? If you have great influence and you seem to have some things going, you seem to have some truth clarified, are you Elijah? Which is one of the prophets that were supposed to be coming back in symbolic form to show the way for the Messiah, which is a good question. Prophecy that this is going to show up. So that's a good question. He says, I am not. And they're like, okay, <laughs> good. Next question. Are you a prophet? No. Well, this conversation is going downhill quickly. 
Who are you then? You know, that's what I'm saying. Verse 22. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And then this is his answer. Isaiah the prophet. So good. You know, whenever you quote something back to the guys that have something memorized like this, that's what those guys had. That's just a little bit of a, you just got to know that. He's just quoting this to them and they're just, all right. I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, this is specifically referencing a section of Isaiah that is talking about the coming Messiah. So they came out there hoping they found the Messiah, asking the questions if he's Elijah or a prophet, and he's going, no, 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 no. I'm just the one telling you to focus up. Get ready. Verse 24. Now the Pharisees who had been there questioned him, well, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? That's a good question, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. You misinterpret. You keep trying to put a title on me, and I just keep trying to be faithful with who I am. You keep trying to make me to be something more than I am. I'm just trying to be who I am, who God's called me to be. The confidence is crazy. Verse 26, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Verse 27, he is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. God, she's just hitting them and hitting them. In verse 28, he says this, This has all happened at the Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Pause. So here's the cool thing. Beginning and end, this is a real court case. This is a real witness stand. This is exactly what happened. John's gospel lays him on it and he tells the story and he ends it by basically saying this. Prepare the way. You haven't met him yet. You don't know who he is. The Pharisees didn't recognize him. The priests and the Levites weren't ready. But John knew. He baptized with water, which is a symbol of the temple of preparing yourself, symbolically cleaning yourself to walk into the presence of the courts of heaven. And he's preparing the way just like you and I are supposed to be as we read this. Because you're going to meet the Savior. Do you feel the symbolism in this? This is intentionally there where you recognize all the history and all that's being quoted. This is intentionally there so that you and I recognize, oh, I'm about to be introduced and meet someone really, really important. Just a clarification here. I am not your Savior. And you are not someone else's Savior. Man, this is tempting sometimes. Especially, can I be real? Especially with my kids. Especially with my kids. The way that this is written, it would be so tempting to feel like once you get the light, that now you are the light, that you're the Savior, 
You're the one. I mean, think about it. John's got the truth. He, he's got it. He sees it. And, and he's like, oh, yeah. And, but he's not fighting for the Pharisees to what? Believe in him. He doesn't care if the Pharisees believe in him or not. Who is he pointing to? The way. The one. Your reputation, your preferences, what you want, doesn't matter. Because you're not the Savior. You can't save them. John understood that. Got to move quick. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you're following along in your Bible or online, uh, just, just boom, underline that, Lamb of God. This is worth looking into. I don't have time to explain it all. I'm going to do my best to do like 50,000 foot view. This is really cool verbiage. This is so much foreshadowing. Angel of death, seventh um, basically plague that's, that's arriving on Egypt. Seventh thing that's going to happen is this angel of death that's going to come and take the firstborns to take the child of promise that would continue the line of each family that's there. It's symbolic in so many cool ways. It is in so many ways the firstborn is symbolic of who Jesus is by heritage. But it took a, an innocent, pure lamb being killed and their blood being put over the doorframe, over the entranceway, over the entrance to the home, into the family, placed over the doorframe so that the angel would not take, that darkness would not overcome, but that there would be life in that house. One day came back up. In three little words, I mean, there's so much more to that. So that sin would go away. Haven't gone to the cross, haven't gone to the empty tomb, but man, John saw him. And immediately knew. He just knew. That's what we need. I'm not the Savior, but I see one. Verse 29, or 30. This is the one I meant to say when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. This is a man I had not meant, who has no influence right now. You don't know him yet. You know me. Have you ever met somebody you're trying to introduce to Jesus? They don't know Jesus yet, and you're like, no, no, no. I know you like me. I know you think I'm cool. I know you and I get along. That's awesome. We love Fortnite together. Okay, but seriously, all right? I know some of you parents just roll your eyes. It's okay. Come back, all right? I have, more in, I have more incredibly powerful conversations over that platform right now. I've had to just know there are other things going on than just wasting the day. All right? Yes, and I know they waste the day. It's okay. Come back. But listen, no matter how much we fall in love 
with the person in front of us, there is always someone that surpasses, that has been here before, that longs in a deeper way, that has something greater planned. Full life, John 10, 10, is coming. It's coming. You feel it? So here's the cool thing. Verse, verse 31 and 32, or I'm sorry, verse 30 to 31. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water is so that he might be revealed to Israel. The reason you should be doing anything in your life is so that you are 100% aware and ready to share Jesus. Jesus should be on your lips. Jesus should be in your heart. The light should shine out of you. It should be something that comes out when you didn't even expect it. And you're like, oh no, now it's out there. What do I do? Here it comes. And the truth is, it's not because Jesus came for moral code or principles to defend. It's not because Jesus came because there's so much nasty hatred. No, Jesus came as what? This is the thing. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when you share that with other people, you are literally picturing darkness and death swooping into their life. And innocent blood that has already been shed is waiting to protect them. Invite them into a new family. didn't baptize. I didn't do anything in my life without, in the background, the operating system of hoping, praying, and wanting each person to discover who Jesus is. Because he's the Lamb of God. And then he just ends with just the crescendo of his whole testimony, which is really, really fun. So cool. 32. Then Jesus gave, or then Jesus, ha, huh, then John, John would be very mad that I said that. Uh, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Whew, powerful. 33, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 34, I have seen and I testify. He feel how just like that just feels so rigid. Like he's standing up in front of court and he's like giving his closing statement. No wiggle room. No getting away from it. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now all that Holy Spirit dove talk, let me just clarify it because that is worth looking into. It is complex as anything. Genesis chapter 6, the flood with Noah, the thing, the agent that brings peace back to the world is a dove. In Genesis chapter 1, where the Spirit of God is floating over the depths, is an image of flight. The unity of God is once again being taught here that it can look and operate in multiple ways. Flesh on Jesus, Spirit, Holy Spirit, God, the Father. The unity of that. You feel the depth of this? And then the, the thought process that John has a relationship with the Father and was what is granting him access to understanding who Jesus is. 
that he's had these conversations and God and him have talked in such a way, whether it's in their prayer life, whether it's in his reading, whether it's just his understanding and quiet meditation that God has prepared him and that he would be ready. And that this isn't, look, spoiler alert, John loses his head for this testimony. This isn't something he's just like, oh yeah, I saw a dove, God did some cool things. No, 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 he goes to his death for this. So you may read that and you may go, dude, that's like Lord of the Rings, fluffy story, great. John was like, no, take my head. It's true to it. It's who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. Let me give you three characteristics because Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the chosen one. You need to hear John. That is John's testimony today. You need to believe in that. It's what he asks you to do in, this, in verse 7. So that through him all might believe. But John has three characteristics that are worth following as you pursue and try to find the light. You ready? These are the three. John, John absolutely is humble. He does not think of himself, does not make himself a priority. John is fearless. He is fearless. And John is a believer. His backup plan, his fallback when everything else is, is belief. It's fearless and it's humble. If we're going to be like John and point people to the chosen one, to the Lamb of God, this needs to be a description of us, that we are humble, fearless believers. Humble, fearless believers. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus calls John the greatest born, above, uh, born of man. The greatest ever born of man. Not David, not Solomon, John the Baptist. Humble, fearless, believer in God. We were studying this week, and the, the two that I'm studying with, I just don't want to out them, because then they'll feel like you'll, you know, they're going to get tracked down by you guys, and they're going to have to know all the answers. I might out them next week. But one of them brought up this verse in 2 Corinthians when, I, when we were talking through this. And it blew my mind. Because see, 2 Corinthians is, Paul hasn't read this gospel yet, probably has no idea what John's writing about. The Holy Spirit is working in both of them, and I think God is doing amazing things. And, and you know that the message is just so unifying, and that the world transformed in just a few hundred years by this message of good news. And in 2 Corinthians, in one of Paul's last letters, on his last kind of attempt to get grace and truth out there. He writes this in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Just listen to what we just talked about in John, as Paul says it here. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and, as, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said... Let the light shine out of darkness. 
made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed where? In the face of Christ or Jesus. New clarity. It's not us that's the Savior. The light is in the Lamb of God who is the chosen one, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is like 30 verses. We're not even through chapter 1, guys. This is crazy cool, incredibly powerful. I've challenged you. Read a chapter a day. We're going to continue this series through August because I just can't not, truthfully. That means you have a little bit more time to read this if you haven't done it yet. If you're reading this book once a week, like gold star, all right? Come up, I'll give a high fives right here. Anybody that's doing it. I'm just proud of you. Stinking amazing. Why don't you look for the word belief this week? Why don't you look for the word testimony this week? Why don't you look for the names, the Lamb of God, the chosen one this week? John is not writing this flippantly. He's not writing this hoping that you get it. He is writing this intentionally so that you will come to believe, starting with the first testimony from John the Baptist, continuing through the whole thing. If you're going to walk away this week, walk away with the invitation that you are not a Savior, nor can you save anyone around you, but there is one that is. And those of us that have chosen to put our faith in that light are doing our best to walk humbly, fearlessly, and to continue to believe. Let me pray for you.